Here's the names of our guests, Simranjit, Dan Ara, Jasmine, and Fred Alvarez. Guys, welcome to Utah. Thanks, Steve. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it very much. We know how busy you get and all the different things, so thank you so much for having us. Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation. I want you guys to help us unpack what a great volunteer opportunity it is for students like yourselves to make a real difference by helping peers and their community. So it's, um, as you think about that, uh, well, first, let's start. Let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, students, give us your name, your grade in school, and the school you attend. My name is Simranji Dillon. I'm a rising senior, and I attend Colony High School. Hello, my name is Jessica Palacios. I'm going to be a senior in August, and I attend Colony High School as well. Hi, my name is Diana Hernandez. Um, I'm a rising junior, and I attend Valley View High School. All right, thank you. You guys are all kind of in that similar stage. And Fred, give us kind of a nugget of uh, who you are and how you're involved in Youth Court. Thanks, Steve. So I'm Fred Alvarez. I'm currently a consultant for Reach Out. Uh, actually retired uh, police detective with the Ontario Police Department. I've uh, been involved with Reach Out and the Youth Court program since 2014. We actually were the first ones to bring the Youth Court program in San Bernardino County and also helped start a secondary Youth Court in Riverside County with the Harupa Valley Unified School District. Very cool. Very cool. All right, guys. Youth Court is an alternative program to juvenile court. And it's for those who have committed um, minor offenses or have shown some problematic behavior. Now, teens have the opportunity, these who have been accused of something like this, uh, to share with jurors and a judge about the incident that happened. But here's what really struck me that makes this so unique. And that's why we, we decided we had to have you guys on Utah. The jurors, the court clerk, and the bailiff are students. The only adult in that courtroom is the judge. I, I mean, except for parents uh, if they choose to show up. So it's very, very different. And it's like a real court. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever been to a real court proceeding, but, and you've seen it on TV, I'm sure, on, on, we've got so many cop shows and stuff today, and court shows, but you know, you notice how the accused is brought in, and there's, there's uh, questions, and then the jurors are sent off, they're, they're sent off to deliberate in an ante room, and same thing happens here, the youth jurors go into this other room, and they discuss what they've heard, they deliberate about what they've heard, and this is what's so cool, Guys, they develop a plan to hold the accused not only accountable for their actions, but also to make amends. Now, I had a chance to attend a training session for jurors, and Fred, you led that. And it was a very interesting time because it was kind of a mock thing that was happening. And you've done this for so long that it, it seemed to flow and, and students got involved. And, and then those students were certified, I guess, to become jurors. And, and after experiencing that, I thought we've got to have this on the show. And what it really solidified was actually being at a court date. So let's start with the jurors. Guys, how did you hear about youth court and what motivated you to want to be involved? For me, I saw like online from a counselor at my school. They posted online about like the whole like youth court juror process and all. And I actually became really interested in that because I am like, at first, at the time, like, I was thinking, like, oh, like, I want a career in law enforcement. So I was thinking, oh, like, might as well join that. And I also told my friend Simranjit here, like, all about the program. And we were just like, oh, cool. Like, this is, like, this seems really fun and exciting. We could get volunteer hours and such. And also, we were just like, oh, like, let's join together. And that's how it began for us. 
Okay, cool. Now, interesting that you mentioned you had thought about being involved in law enforcement, and that's something we'll come back to. Okay, anybody else want to share? Uh, yeah, I'll share. Um, my mom actually has a friend who works for the county, and she often gets like updates on um, youth programs and tells me about them. And so, um, essentially, I learned about the program through social media. And since my mom's friend knew that I enjoy um, the law enforcement system and criminal justice system, and I'm involved in other programs with law, she recommended me to it, and that's how I joined. That's awesome. Now, are you guys in, are the three of you involved in any other extracurricular type activities at school, or is Youth Court kind of the main thing? Me and Jasmine are actually involved in a lot at school, like eight clubs, and then I'm involved in a program called PAYS. And all of them, I mean, obviously it takes time out of your schedule, but they all they all kind of ebb and flow together then and through your life, right? Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, what's interesting to me is this is, a, in, in a sense, a different type of way, volunteer opportunity or way for students to be involved in something that's making a difference um, that you don't always hear about. And I don't know why we don't hear about this. I think we should be hearing about this more than what we do. Um what do you have to do to become a juror? Describe the process. I, uh, I don't want to describe, I was there at a training session, but I want to hear from you guys, from your own perspective, all three of you. What, describe the, the process. Essentially, you have to attend uh, training sessions. Um, I think after one training session, you get like a certification. Um, and then you do go to real, um, like the mock trials that we have. And that'll determine if you're prepared enough or you need to attend more sessions. And, um, okay. but there's also like other factors that determine if you're already a certified juror. Like you have to make sure you're not biased. You have to make sure you go into the trials like open-minded about what's going on and with the person that's involved in the situation. So there's a lot of factors, but it's mostly um, gaining your certification through the training session. Okay, now you just brought up something interesting. How do you, Make sure you're not biased. I mean, how does that happen? I think that's kind of like a conflicting topic because um, every person naturally has some bias in them most of the time. Um, and especially, it's, it's kind of difficult because um, the people in the trials are our age. Um, they're other young adults or they're teenagers. And, but I think it's just important to remain professional. And the whole idea of taking the trial seriously kind of this kind of like leads you away from the idea of bias. Yeah, it's because it, like you said, it is, it's complicated mm -hmm. and it takes effort, yeah. really. And in a sense, we should all work on our bias in everyday life and be able to set it aside so that we can have, you know, a connection to everybody and at least a decent relationship. And I think that's part of where the tension comes in our culture. What else can you guys add to this? What is that training like for you? Well, for me, I'll be honest, I felt like the training was kind of nerve-wracking. Like, since I was, like, so new, like, we were both, like, so new to it. We were just like, oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> like oh, my God, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to come up with everything? But I think, like, the main focus is just, just thinking about the overall purpose of it. Like, you know, we're giving these other kids just a second chance. And I like to doing good in their life. We just really had just focus on the purpose of that and, like, see, like, well, what can we do now to help them, like, truly get a second chance? Like, what kind of dispositions are there, like, that are going to do best for them to truly, like, understand, like, they need to not make 
repeat that same mistake. Why is it so important, the second chance thing? It seems like our in our culture, that it, it kind of falls short sometimes. It doesn't seem like... It's important to me personally because these students are kids still and they're not fully developed yet and they don't know how to think as an adult. So I think these second chances allow them to understand their mistakes and then learn from them and not mm. like continue to push them down to a path that they can't bring themselves out of by themselves. Now, what happens if one of the accused that you're a juror for is somebody you know? That doesn't uh, have you, you know, kind of take yourself out of it or is that so infrequent it doesn't matter? Um, that actually creates bias. So we take the juror out who knows the person and they're replaced with a, uh, another juror. Okay. That, well, that makes sense. And I guess that also helps in, I mean, not that, I don't know, is there ever any retribution? Has there any ever, that ever happened where an accused got, you know, had to go to court and, and a juror was there and, and there was friction or conflict there? No, Steve. And, you know, we've got some great staff in all our youth courts. Um, specifically, we're at Montana Youth Court today. We just had a couple five sessions. And, you know, the staff is great because they actually do their work to make sure that we don't have any respondents that are from the same school or we have jurors from the same school, things like that. So we do a lot of prepping ahead of time to make sure it doesn't happen. Um, even oh, they, that's cool. Because we have such a large pool, we actually have jurors coming from both San Bernardino County and Riverside County. So that happening is very rare. So we have a lot of safeguards in place ah. to make sure that. Well, it's, I'm glad to hear that, Fred, because it, you know, you just kind of think through all the what ifs. You know, and, and there seems to be, you know, so much tension sometimes in, in our culture. And then especially with somebody who's, you know, the respondent, somebody's been accused of something or whatever. So, um, yeah, and you guys do have a great staff. I mean, all the people I've met and interacted with and have been so helpful in pulling this whole thing together. When you guys are sequestered into an ante room, what's the vibe like? What's that atmosphere like, guys? Um, the atmosphere is pretty serious. I mean, someone's life could change from this, so we all treat it like it's our own mm. life on the line. Is that something that you were encouraged to do, or is that something that, hey, this is how we do this? For me, I think, like, I think it's just the process of it. It's like, you know, a professional setting. Like, we must, like, remain serious because, like she said, it is someone's life on the line. And I like I think like we all just created it ourselves and like the judge, like the adult in the room, like does make sure like we're all like understanding the importance of the situation as because like, you know, it is someone's life on the line. Yeah, no. It, I like the way you put that because I I hadn't quite put it in those words, okay? Even though I, I went through the training and then I, I was there uh, you know, at that court and saw the three cases. But but that's I mean, that is so spot on. You know, this is somebody's life could change as a result of this time, this day in, in court and the decisions that you guys make. First of all, how many jurors are there for each court date? So, you know, Steve, it varies depending on how many jurors we have. Uh, jurors can run anywhere between six to 12. Okay. We try to run about six depending on how many cases. Like today we have five cases. So we did jurors of six and they were basically rotating. So we could run the process a little faster. Of course, when you have more jurors, it takes a little bit longer because the deliberation takes a yeah. little bit longer. Yeah. Now, is there one person, guys, who's, who's kind of assigned when you get into that deliberation room that this person is kind of the, the quarterback, they're kind of leading things, or is it all just a mutual contribution? 
Uh, we all kind of contribute to the overall decision in the end, but we do have a spokesperson. Okay. So when we have made our deliberation and we go back into the room, they're the ones that deliver the punishments to the judge and sign the paperwork and, um, and yeah, basically present the ideas that we came up with. Is it hard, guys, to come up with the punishment with a, you know, this plan? I mean, I was very impressed. Um, you know, the, the, I don't think any of you were in those cases. I was there with, uh, on that Saturday morning. But I was impressed with it was just well thought out. I mean, it was very well done. Yeah, I think it's often difficult trying to come up with the punishments because, um, like she said, um, it is someone's life on the line and they are like our age within our age range. So sometimes we tend to put ourselves in their shoes and think, oh, maybe we should give them a lighter punishment. But then we have to remember that we have to remain like completely unbiased and decide the punishments that will ensure that they don't commit the same actions. So we have to um, give reasonable punishments. I like that. I, that. That's a great descriptive word, reasonable punishment. And it's punishment to help them grow. And maybe it's more discipline than punishment because you want them to grow because this is, I mean, their life is on the line. And um, it's, it's not easy to be in this situation. You know, I assume that you guys as jurors would take this seriously um, but it's very, it's very reassuring for me to hear you say that because I haven't really had a chance to talk directly to any jurors until now. And I'm, I'm grateful for this opportunity because I think it, people need to understand this. When we talk about justice, from my perspective, this is a great form of justice that is available to teen respondents, those who are accused of things, um, and it's a variety of things. I know, Fred, you and I had that conversation uh, the morning of the actual court date when uh, you were kind of unpacking things and you were uh, sharing with me, you know, things that happen and how they happen. Okay, now we got a comment here. It's uh, something about the sad thing is um, punishments and, and in other words, the kids have no, I can't read that word. But it, it's, it's sad, I guess, but it's also positive because I think if, and, and I would welcome your opinion on this, guys, it can be a very positive thing. It can be a very life-changing thing. Fred, this is going to, I'm going to toss this to you. You've been doing this for a number of years. Have you ever had contact with, with um, somebody who went through, went to youth court because of something that happened and, you know, four or five, whatever years later, they come back and, or you have contact with them and they say, hey, this really helped my life. Has that ever happened? You know, since it's been so a couple of years now, I have run into one or two, which ended, were respondents at the time, which were the, what we considered the suspects, but they're, we call them respondents. Um, and they were very appreciative that they went through the program. But I think the biggest thing that we got out of it is that they actually made friends becoming jurors. Oh. Um, they did know. Um, they, you know, at sometimes some of these uh, respondents that we have, they maybe don't have friends or they have certain issues that they're dealing with sure. and coming into this where, Hey, they're all together. They're getting training. They're all here for a common goal to help another teen out and some mm -hmm. friendships. And I think that was the biggest thing. And those friendships actually helps them guide them because you're making friends that are in the same, want to make sure that they're not in, having any problems, that they all have a mutual thing to grow and, and go on to success and things like that. So that's, I think that's the biggest thing. And the volunteer, I mean, this program doesn't happen if we don't have the volunteers. 
If we don't have them, it, it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it. Uh, no volunteers, no program, no youth court. You know, and, and go, I want to go back to that whole thing about making friends. And we all are so relationally driven, you know, uh, and it's interesting because we're hurting with relationships, especially I'm, uh, I think there's a lot of positive things about social media. But I think also looking at all the studies that are coming out, we are more isolated today than we have been in the past. And a big part of that is uh, we're communicating through a screen rather than one-on-one -on -one, rather than face-to-face -face. and I mean that's really cool to hear that friendships have developed um, out of this and and I'm glad to hear and I would guess there are some positive stories out you know more positive stories out there of this really being a life-changing event um, for somebody for a respondent um, because there's other ways it could go. Fred describe for me for us, I should say, for the audience, because you described it to me, and I, I distinctly remember our conversation that Saturday morning, and you told me the difference, if I remember correctly, youth court started with adult jurors and then moved to youth jurors and has stayed with youth jurors. What's the difference, adult jurors versus youth jurors? Well, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, you're being judged by your peers. That's the biggest mm. issue. Um, kind of like they said earlier, you know, they have something in common. They're all the same age. They're all high school ages, everything from 17 and below. You know, it's a lot different mentality, a lot different going through life. Um, they're all during that time. You know, they're all in high school. They all have those different types of interests. They have those different new things that are they're hidden and challenged with. And I think that's what really makes it different mm. versus having adults. Um, you know, there are different types of youth courts out there that run. I mean, some of them have where even the judge is a juvenile. Um, oh, really? Interesting. We tend, we tend to use the one that's an adult judge, and usually our judge is either prior law enforcement mm -hmm. or current law enforcement. They could be a district attorney, public defender. So they have some uh, background in the criminal justice system, uh, which is a really positive thing. Yeah. Plus, they're able to really you know, understand these types of cases that come. But, um, yeah, that's the main, the main difference. And I'd say that the biggest positive is that they're peers. It's the whole thing. They're being judged by their peers. Yeah, and I mean, our, our adult court system, I mean, that's what you hear a lot is, you know, you, you want a jury of your peers. Now, going back to the morning that I was with you for those three cases, the judge was an assistant district attorney, if I'm not mistaken. And um, you and I had a chance to talk to her afterwards. And I so appreciated just her attitude. I mean, she was, I won't say frustrated, but, but she was sharing with us. She goes, I just want to do more to help these kids. And I, you know, I thought, and, and she mentioned being more involved. And, and I thought, you know, this is a kind of a judge that we want, you know, somebody who really has a heart for students and who, you know, wants, what a great uh, attitude to say, hey, I really wish I could do more versus, oh, I'm done, I'm out of here, you know, that kind of a thing. She was not in a big hurry to leave, and she's very gracious with her time with, with me and you, and, and I like that. Now, you mentioned something, too, I believe, I think I've got this right, that another difference between the adult, because the obvious one is peers, okay, and, and peers understand peers, and, and they're living in that, that same vacuum of life, but I think you said something about that student jurors are actually come up with better plans. They're a little bit firmer, I won't say harsh, but a little bit firmer in their plan for uh, making amends, reconciliation, and being held accountable. Did I get that correct? 
Yeah, Steve, you did. And it's funny you say that because we've gone to different trainings. I've gone to different states and trainings and, you know, they do mock trials and they say, okay, adults, you come up with the, uh, the dispositions or the consequences and then they turn it over to the teens and they have more, more dispositions uh, on their list than we have. They seem to be more, uh, sometimes I think harsh, but I think it's because they understand. They put themselves in, the, in that same predicament and it's like, no, you know, this is what they need to do. This is what we believe. And that's where the trust is in them. See, that is awesome. Guys, I'm going to go back to you as, as student jurors, comment on what Fred just said, because um, I, I think that's huge. You know, I mean, adults, I, you know, you hear this a lot from adults. Ah, they're kids, you know, they're going to get over it. They're going to grow up, you know, blah, blah, blah kind of a thing. And not, not that that isn't true to some degree, but guys respond to me. I want to hear from the three of you. Respond to what Fred just said as far as, you know, because I, I took it, the cases again that I saw, that our jurors were taking it very serious. And this, you know, and, and as you guys so aptly, you've said it over and over again, which is powerful. I mean, somebody's whole life could change as a result of being here. So what is that? I mean, what... How do you work through that? I mean, it's, obviously, you know, because you're in the same age group, you've said that, because you obviously aren't trying to let somebody off, but you're not trying to be mean or harsh. What are the guiding principles for you? Honestly, I think to some extent, it's because we want um, to treat them like an adult would be treated. So we know okay. that there will punishment necessary for um, their actions. And I think we know personally how, like, the youth today often is, and we know that there's punishments to some of the things they do. So I think we just try to choose punishments that will ensure that they're taking it seriously. Mm. Well said. I also think that adults belittle our problems because they might not seem as bad of problems because they're older than us and they can see past it, but as peers of these respondents, um, I think we can see how... This might impact their life in the future, and from our perspective, like, Good. we want to change that. No, again, well said. Anything else you want to add to this? Because I'm, I'm going to digress for just a moment with this, but anything else? For me, I think, like, really, it's just, like, like, I remember she said, like, we kind of put ourselves in their shoes and all, like, but without, like, trying to have bias, like, we're going to think what is truly going to hold them accountable to their actions, and now that it's already been, like, talked about, like, now that, like, now that they've already been caught for this, and I'm like, what are we going to do now that's going to actually prevent them from doing this again? Like, try to think, even though, like, the adults, like, maybe, like, oh, like, we could take away their phones or we could, like, ground them for this game. Maybe, like, they need to get more involved with school. Maybe, like, we try to focus on, like, as a teenager, like, what do we think is going to be good, like, in their daily life, you know, rather than, like, what adults are going to think. So you're really trying to, I, I hear the word, you didn't, you guys didn't say this, but you're trying to find a balance. What's fair, what's reasonable, what's going to be constructive for this individual. But I love the way you've worked through this. You know, it's powerful, you know, and, and um, here's where I digress with you for a minute because I want your input. Um, I was invited to something and it was called a open mic advocacy night. I think it was about a year ago or so. It doesn't matter. It was, it was uh, uh, sometime several months ago. And it was all high school students, and it was kind of in a club vibe, you know, atmosphere. And the idea was you can use spoken word, you can do a drama, you can read poetry, write, you know, write poetry and read it. You could 
give a little brief, you know, TED talk kind of thing. Um, you could sing a song, whatever it happened to be. But the idea was kind of the topic, the overall topic for it was, what do you think is kind of a major problem in our culture today as a high school student? And it was interesting to me because everyone, I mean, without exception, that was on that stage came to the same conclusion. And by the way, they all did a really great job. I tried my best to get to each one of them and compliment them and say, hey, I appreciated what you, you know, that, that one line, you know, that you were rapping and, and you know, or that, that line in your poetry or in your drama, whatever it happened to be. Because, hey, it's hard, I think, for you guys to be sitting up there in, in the front of the courtroom, you know, as jurors, as it is hard to be up on a stage doing something. But what was I was fascinated about was the number one thing they kept coming back to over and over and over again was adults don't care about us because they don't listen to us. Guys, respond to that for me. For me, I feel like, like during like, I feel like the main problem is like asking for help because I feel like sometimes like whenever teenagers have asked like adults for help, like the like the adults like won't fully like understand the situation mm-hmm. and not properly address it. And I feel like that's where like a lot of issues come around. Like, and that's why teenagers feel like they're not being listened to because like the adults aren't fully addressing to like the kids' needs. I think it's also kind of, we can't fully blame the adults all the time because it's kind of like a natural thing. Like us um, young adults, we often tend to like ignore the younger children too. Um, (laughs) So it's kind of the same thing like as age progresses. So, um, but yeah, I also agree with that, that sometimes adults tend to ignore um, important matters. Uh, That can be a problem sometimes, but I think we can't speak for all adults because there is some... um, professionals to dedicate like their entire careers to focusing on issues like school counselors are just like a small part of that for example yeah and and you know school counselors can have such a huge impact in the life of a student uh, i mean both in a negative way and a positive way because there's some that are really really good and there's some that you know you ought to think about another career because you don't seem to have the heart for this young man or this young woman who, who's struggling through things. So that's interesting. Anything else, you know, on that subject? Um, and again, I'm not trying to blame adults, but I hear this all the time. You know, we get feedback here, whether I'm speaking at a, at a school assembly or uh, there's one guy that, that comes to mind that said, yeah, I'm so frustrated with my dad. I said, why? And he goes, well, he's not real mechanical. And he said, I keep trying to tell him I can fix things. He goes, yeah, kid, right, right. Get out of here. Get out of here. And the stuff is still remains broken. And I know I can fix it, or at least I can try, you know, but he doesn't want to listen to me, you know, and give me that, that chance to do it. So um, what you guys are doing, I think, as jurors speaks volumes that you can be trusted. Your generation, young adults have a lot to offer. Um, I know we have interns with Utah, and, and I'll tell you what, it has made us a better organization. Uh, it's made me a better communicator, and it's made us stronger because these interns, you know, we give them the freedom. I want your ideas. I constantly say that, you know, use your creative genius, you know, talk to me. What do you think? And, uh, you know, we always qualify that by saying we're not necessarily going to do everything that you suggest we do, but we want to hear from you. And what I love is our interns coming back and saying, hey, Steve and everybody else, we think we should do this rather than we think you should do this. It's that ownership. 
And it sounds to me, is there a sense of ownership, guys, when you're a juror? I feel like there is, because like I feel like like us jurors, we could gather up as a group and then like whenever like it does come to like delivering dispositions it's something that we all agree together and on like and that's how like we truly like deliver our voice together to the adult like to the adult judge and stuff so i do feel like we are like having ownership but like instead of it being individual it's all together because like it's something we all agree together on yeah i i marvel at you guys and i i speak when i say guys too i'm saying kind of in general because i think it's something i've picked up a little bit in in talking with you fred and with other people uh, that work with youth courts and now hearing jurors talk about kind of an open mic thing is you take this very seriously. You are investing part of your life, your time, your heart in the situation. Okay, let's look at it from another angle. What is the most difficult part of being a juror? Um, I think for me, it's not putting my own emotions into like deciding mm. what the consequences will be. So basically bias, but like, like I understand where the students are coming from when they sit with their parents. And sometimes I feel like, from my own perspective, I feel like some of these kids don't deserve it, but they also do. So then it like mixes me out. Like, I don't know what I should do. Oh, that I, man, I, that's e- easy. I mean, it, you've, you made it very clear, you know, and, and that's an obvious one, but maybe something you know, that um, I, I don't think I put my finger on that, you know, as I was preparing for this show and then watching, you know, the different, the training and the court dates and all that kind of thing. That's, anybody else, give us, add to this. Well, for me, I completely agree. Like, it is hard, like, putting your own emotions to the side of it. Cause like, maybe even then, like, you could relate to a situation where you're like, you know, you only have to stick to the facts and only the facts. You can't make assumptions. Like, you can't be trying to like, guess anything you just have to remain like professional the whole time Ooh, now that's important stay with the facts and keep it professional and there's so many aspects of life really that that applies to but especially in this situation because things can be blown out of proportion they can um, I remember uh, Fred when I was with you at that court date uh, one of the moms seem to get really defensive and almost antagonistic, you know, to the judge. Part of me, I was surprised, but part of me, I thought, whoa, we got to ratchet this back a little bit here because there's another dynamic going on, you know, that we're not seeing and hearing about. Anything else, guys, you as jurors, what, what is difficult? I, I really want to know that. What's, what's tough for you as being a juror? Um, I think they couldn't have said it like any better. It's all about, um, the idea of like trying not to put your emotions mm. first, especially because we're like the same age. Um, because if you think about it, like at the end of the trial, like you're going to go home and like everything is going to be fine. But like based on your decisions, they're going to go home and like face some consequences. Um, they're going to have to go home and like think about for the next few months, they're going to have to um, fulfill their punishments. And that's just like, it's kind of like it makes you stop and think about like the decisions you're going to make. Okay, now what about again you guys going home? The you finished the court date and the number of cases or whatever. Is there any kind of retrospective thinking that you go through? You get home. Do you do you kind of replay what happened and replay the deliberation, or is it just not necessarily all the time, but sometimes? When I go home, I do reflect on like what's happened, what decisions I made, 
and like how it influenced the person. But at the end of the day, we go home and we don't have to face the same consequences that these other students do have to, that they do. Mm. So we do um, reflect and make sure that next time we do even better than the previous time. Well said. Fred, question here. Our student jurors put this plan together, you know, uh, for the respondent to make amends and accountability. What happens if they don't follow through? So when they decide to go with the youth court program, they sign basically a consent that they're going to follow the dispositions that are given to them by the jurors. Um, if they don't, then they would be referred back to the actual agency that brought the case to us. So in regards, if it came from the police department, it's going to go back to the police okay. department. It comes back to district it goes back to school district comes from probation it'll go back to probation and they will go through the regular juvenile process of going through the whole court case so that's if they don't finish their dispositions even during the the case in order to be involved in youth court they're basically this isn't about their guilt they're already admitting what they did okay it has nothing to do with their guilt they've already taken that out of the equation so now it just comes down to them doing the dispositions that are brought down by the jurors and following that. Now, um, do I remember correctly here, it, too much in the, the RAM upstairs, <laughs> my RAM is overflowing, but if they follow through, and by the way, who does the checkup on them following through? So we actually have a case manager okay. that follows them all through. So they actually meet with them before the hearing, talk with them and their parents, and then they actually meet with them after the hearing and they'll follow them through the whole process, whatever they need. If there was counseling that was decided, okay. if there was any type of drug testing, um, other programs such as Fontana's Flip program, they'll make sure that they follow this process and then they get back to the agency that referred them and let them know that they completed all the dispositions so their record could actually be clean. So that, and, and you answered one of the questions. I, I have, remember you saying this to me before. I mean, if they go through the whole process, and the case manager, by the way, is an adult, correct? Correct. Okay. And so they go through the process with the case manager, and they get to the end. It's all done. Everything is completed. None of this goes on their record. Is that correct? That's correct. See, what an awesome thing. I mean, it, it really is, because if it gets kicked back for some reason, or somebody decides not to pursue youth court, then it goes on their record, does it not? That's correct. It'll start a youth uh, basically record from a juvenile record. Hmm. So it, it really is, uh, I mean, can anybody, I guess it depends upon the offense, but on with uh, certain offenses, anybody has that choice then to go to juvenile court or go to youth court? Yeah, so usually what it depends on is they're a first-timer, so they don't have any prior types okay. of issues. Secondary is that they are youth, have to make sure they're youth and that this program is available in their area. So one of the great things is in Fontana, they have Fontana Youth Court. So it's available within the Fontana Unified School District or the Fontana School Police. Um, there's other ones such as Harupa Valley School District where they run their youth court. So right now the goal is to get enough youth courts throughout both San Bernardino and Riverside County hmm. to get an option that many other schools will be able to involve to be involved in the program. The great thing is that we have the support of both the San Bernardino and Riverside District Attorneys that are also involved in the program. And at times their DAs actually volunteer their time, as you know, um, as from both counties. So it's great. No, you know, it's, as, as you were sharing this and, and putting the pieces together of, of our student jurors, 
the word redemptive keeps coming back to me. Youth court seems to be, guys, would you agree with me on that? Do you see youth court being redemptive? I think it is because it is like ultimately giving a second chance to like prevent having anything on your record. Yeah, no, I mean, that's very cool. And the idea is we don't want you coming back doing the same thing over again. Okay, I, I would call you guys change makers because you're making a difference by doing what you're doing. Give me each one of you, give me just a couple things that you see yourself, you know, how you're changing things by being involved as a juror. I think, well, primarily, of course, we're um, helping support the lives of the of the students, but I think it also um, changes us personally. Because, okay. Yeah, because seeing all of the trials that we go through and um, the different punishments that pe- the students who commit, like, um, offenses go through, I think it kind of opens our eyes that, like, stuff like this is happening. Um, because personally, like, I don't think we don't like to get into, like, trouble like that. And it kind of opens our eyes and, like, reminds us that there is punishments, um, there is consequences for actions like these. Mm-hmm. Some people often in our youth get influenced to commit some of these actions. So it's like just like a reminder, um, you know, to stay focused and try to stay away from all of this as much as possible. Cool. Anybody else? One or two things that, that um, you see as being very positive for you and making a difference? Something, something that I see is everybody always says the world's not perfect, but when you're sitting in a juror seat and you're doing this work, you see like, like how unperfect it is so like you can help make it better i guess i love it that's a big thing for us at utah is we want to encourage our audience of teens and young adults to become change makers to make a difference to make the world a better place even if it's just in a little tiny way one little tiny way can add up over and over and over again anything else anybody wants to add to this that, that whole concept for me i think like it's like being able to gather up together, like, as a whole, like, I think, at first, like, for me, like, the change it makes, like, it not only, like, changes their lives in a positive way, it is, like, reminding them of the truth and, like, ways to make up for it, like, for what they've done, but, like, it also makes me happy because I know, like, what I'm doing in the like, is going to, like, help them, like, even if it's in a small way, like, it is going to help them, like, be accountable or become more organized or reflect on themselves. You guys are very inspirational. You really are. Props to you for what you're doing. I appreciate the sacrifice you guys are making because it's time. You know, you we only have so much time, all of us, and you're taking time to do this. As far as the number of cases that you get involved with, say, on a monthly basis, does it vary month to month? Yeah, see, it, it varies, and it all depends. I mean, right now, because of the pandemic, um, there's kind of a, a backlog of cases. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, Youth Court kind of took a hit all the way around. Um, mm. time, so some of them weren't able to continue, so we're actually back trying to bring them back and re-energize them. The funny thing is that during the pandemic, we actually did a Zoom version of Youth Court, giving the training for the jurors, but it was so funny that they actually said, you know what, I'm ready to do this in person. I want to come back. I want to see other teens. I want to interact with them, which I thought was a great thing. That's cool. That is very cool. Very, very cool. Well, all of you, all four of you, I want to thank you for taking time to be with us on Utah. This is a very, this is a very unique conversation. It's a conversation that needs to happen, and uh, we're going to have to do something like this again, just because people need, especially in your age group, they need to know that this is available. But also, I know we have some adults that are watching or listening, and I want them to see that there is hope that 
you, I mean, we've got a generation that can inspire us if we come alongside them and encourage them. And that's what we want to do here at Utah. Fred, if somebody wants more information, they might be in another state. What are some resources? And we'll put these in the notes, but uh, are there a couple websites? I think you gave me a couple um, in an email. Yeah, so I mean, if they're specific, want to know what's going on in Riverside and San Bernardino County, they can always get a hold of Reach Out. We're here in the Inland Empire. Um, if they want to know within all the state of California, there's the uh, California Association of Youth Courts. If they're looking nationwide, there's the National Association of Youth Courts, and then there's also Global Youth Court Justice. So there's a bunch of different ones there that are available, and a lot of them have actual maps that show all the different cities that have youth courts that are up and running. Um, the nice thing is that, you know, depending where you're at, you can volunteer at any of these, go through the training programs, and be called back at a juror. A lot of them aren't just set to that particular county or city. So we've been oh, cool. very lucky that we've had jurors come from both counties uh, to serve in either one, and it's because of the training is, is exactly the same training, uh, and it works out great. So like you said earlier, you know, do you ever get the ones that kind of know the person that's being in front of them? No, because we have such a large amount for different counties, uh, we're able to – to be lucky not have to deal with that situation. And that's a that's a key point. You just, in fact, two things. One is the reminder that the training is universal. So you can interact in different situations in different counties or whatever. And also, this is a global movement, is it not then? Because there's a, the global website. Yes, so it's throughout the nation and uh, even in tribal. The tribals even have their own youth courts. So it's all over. Like I said, it's great, it's growing. And the more people know about it, it's great. I mean, we hope that they get the support. And like I said, all the county entities are involved one way or another from the public defender, district attorneys, probation, uh, behavior health. Wow. So law enforcement, the sheriff's department. So it's great. It's just one big happy family trying to help these people. <laughs> you know, that's awesome, though. I mean, if whatever we can do to redeem the life of, you know, a young adult, I've spent a lot of time going into juvenile prisons and juvenile halls to speak and do presentations and things, you know, and, and um, sometimes I get to bring my drums in, not very often, but um, you know, it, it always just bothers me. It's heavy on my heart when I see a young adult, you know, that's in a situation like that where, you know, you want to see them free. You don't want to see them go without consequences because life has consequences. I mean, it's been said that our lives are just one choice away from being changed. So, Guys, I appreciate the time you've sacrificed, Fred. I appreciate your investment in this generation and what you're doing and, of course, others involved in this across the nation. So thank you guys for joining us here on Talk. And I'll have to come back out to another trial at some point when I've got time because it's such a fascinating thing to watch. But thank you very much for joining us, for taking time to be with us and being a change maker. And don't ever lose that heart of being a change maker because we need you. Our world needs you to change things. So keep on the path you're going, guys. It's awesome. This is You Talk Radio. 